What's up? My name is Alex Terranova. I am the host of the Dream Mason podcast. Welcome. We started this in 2017 because we wanted to highlight the journey of Dream Masons. There's a Dream Mason in all of us. A Dream Mason is someone who is awake to their dreams and driven by the passion, the purpose, and the desire to turn that dream into reality. We interview athletes, gold medalists, Super Bowl champions, artists, creatives, eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, and everyone in between. And sometimes we even walk them through challenges that they're currently facing. So depending on whether you're catching this as a regular interview or a playing with problems segment, there is something for you, whether you're at the peak of your journey, at the low point of your journey. I look forward to having you join me on this journey. And I hope that this show helps you unleash your inner dream, Mason. If you chase four rabbits, how many do you catch? Do you say one or none? None. You got to chase one rabbit at a time. Man, I am def I, I definitely enjoy chasing lots of rabbits more than one rabbit. Lot of rabbits, bro. Gotta chase one <laughs> at a time. Um, so for those of you that have just joined, I'm Alex Terranova. This is the Drew Mason podcast, and you are listening to the voice of me and my good friend Bob Conlin. What's up, Bob? Hey, what's going on? So we don't normally jump into the middle of a conversation, but I just hit record while we were we were talking. We were just uh Bob's on here for a few reasons today. We're going to talk about Bob's new book, which is all about relationships. We're going to talk about men's work. We're going to talk about Andrew Tate. We're going to talk about, um, I don't, we're going to see where it goes. We're going to explore. But right now we were just talking about how Bob was sharing how I'm always on like the, the cusp of a lot of things and that he has to tell himself that it's not, it's not his job to be good at those things. And I was like, yeah, I'm always on the top of a million things, but I might be mediocre at all those things. Um, so it's like, right, we're in like a no win. You don't win if you're Bob, you don't win if you're me. <laughs> yeah, and there's like so much in that is just like my uh, sizing up other men, right? Like, which has been one of my biggest breakthroughs is like, man, Alex is better than me. I must not be as good as Alex. I suck, you know, or, or you know, screw Alex. Let him go chase all his rabbits. I don't care, right? Isn't it? It's, you know, it's so interesting. We, we, you and I talk about this a lot, like how as men, we size up other men almost automatically. Yeah. And I, I would just make the assertion that we do it from fear. Like, it's not that we're actually afraid. You're not afraid of me. I'm not afraid of you, but there's a, there's a, a piece of us that is designed or uh, conditioned to assess a situation quickly to determine like if it's a threat. But if you're walking around in life trying to determine if things are threats, that's motivated by fear. That means because you're afraid of what a threat might do. You can't actually say you're not motivated by fear, fear and then be looking for threats, right? That wouldn't exist. If you were completely at peace, we wouldn't be analyzing or looking for threats or looking for problems. I, I've noticed this a lot. And let's just start with this because it's like the hot kind of topic in the space today is I, I created, I recorded a piece of content yesterday and then put it up. And it was basically that I think most men are raised and conditioned in fear and that we grew up in fear because our dads were either um, violent, authoritarian, um, uh, or like only, uh, only showed up in action or rage, or they weren't present. And I don't mean that doesn't Absolutely. mean they... They didn't exist. They might've existed, but they weren't connected to us. 
And as a kid, not having a present masculine would have been scary. So that I believe that most men grow up inside of this fear bubble. And then we grow up and, and look at the whole world through this bubble. And what I brought in this thing is that's why I believe that most men are connecting with people, not most men, why many men are connecting with people like Andrew Tate, because someone like Andrew Tate is like a, you know, he's, he's very like authoritarian. He has an answer. He has a direction. It's things we're comfortable with. It's fear and rage and power. And men should be in control and men should be the ones making money and women should behave like this. And those are old stories that men have been conditioned to believe throughout time. And though while the world has changed, while as men don't know where they fit in, it's way easier to grab onto an old story, like as a life raft to feel safe than to actually be in the unknown and explore what else is possible. And since I shared this, I've gotten more kind of hate and negative attention from men than I ever have on the internet before. Yeah, what's that experience like, bro? It's fucking weird. Um, it's yeah. weird. It's uncomfortable. Thanks for asking. Um, dude, it, it triggers a lot of shit, right? Like the initially, the first thing when I read the first few, there was this mix of like, I kind of laughed because it was kind of, it sort of felt like a way that you might tease me, but not in seriousness, right? Like, yeah. bu like busting my chops. But these people are not teasing, right? They don't know me. We're not in relationship. They're actually coming. They're like throwing spears. And so there's a part of me that kind of giggled from like, oh, if my buddies were saying this, I would laugh. But these aren't my buddies. So this is actually an attack. And part of me wanted to go into defensive mode, which wanted me to throw spears back at them. And so this is all happening at the same time, right? Then I'm feeling, in, then there's a part of me that felt insecure. Like, should I be posting this? Do I want people not liking me? Do I want people liking me? Wait, if I'm saying that, if I, if I believe I'm saying the thing for the right cause, like I got to stick with it, even though it's uncomfortable. So all this was happening at all at the same time. And I started to go back at them. I started to type and then I paused myself and I was like, no, then you're just doing the same thing they're doing. Yep. And what if I brought empathy or compassion to the situation, which had me just go, Hey, like, I don't need to, I don't need to bring, I don't need to bring, you know, like a gun, another, a gun back to the fight. I can actually just let this go. And does, you know, jumping in with these guys, like do anything, how does that serve? Right. Um, I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot here, but I knew that not, like bring not jumping into a fight with them like that didn't serve there's no point in that um i wasn't going to convince these guys of anything different over social media um and i actually reached out to you and i was and i shared it with you we got to laugh about it for a minute um what was your well it wasn't directed at you how did what did you what did you get when you saw it the first time well i wanted to like go defend my friend you know like my buddy my bro and um <clears throat> Yeah, I noticed like immediately came up to came up was just like like attack and then it was like like sadness came in or like like man like there's guys that like believe this shit or like actually feel this way and would actually put themselves out in the world in a almost like hateful way right um I, I had kind of a similar experience when uh 
when my wife was in the hospital during the pandemic to, you know, save our son's life, essentially, I would go and sit outside her hospital window for days and days and days. She was there for three months. I had nothing else to do. And um, we had a story that went viral and, you know, we were on a bunch of news networks and man, that, that like, don't read the comments statement is so true. Like we'd have a video posted on like ABC news or on Yahoo or we were everywhere. Good morning, America. And I would go through and read the comments and the hate. What would people say? What were like, they, they'd call me like a simp. They'd uh, like, that's not a real man. Like all this kind of like judgment and hate about like me showing up to love my wife and unborn son. And the only way that I knew how, right. And like that, that's not what a man does. That's, that's weakness or that's, you know, yeah, bro. And I was just like, what in God's name, you know, they're like, where's like cut out man, woman in that, like, where's the humanity in it? The first, like the first place, like, where's the kindness and like the empathy, which I think is such a, um, a, a missing tool a lot of men have is you know, not a lot of men, you know, some men have is like just actually being empathized with the person right next to you, right? Empathize, you know, with um, um, in your most important relationships, right? Empathize everywhere, like understand, hey, what's actually going on over there, and actually give a shit about it, right? Give a shit about your impact, like the you know what you're putting out into the into the world, like it matters, it makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, it. That's insane. First of all, right, right. Like your your wife and child may not live. Yep. One or, or one or the other, and it's there's nothing you can do. Right. It wasn't you weren't. It wasn't like you weren't. A, you could have gone in the hospital. You weren't actually. They would right. not let you in the right. hospital during a global pandemic. Which they, you know, those guys are probably like, did it happen? It was. Yeah, yeah, right. It was like, a look, conspiracy. It actually yeah. didn't even matter if you agreed with right, the right. pandemic or not. You, unless what you're going to go get your gun and like barge into the hospital, like how yeah. is that right? So regardless of whether you agreed or disagreed with how things were being, it's just the way it was, right? You couldn't. So your way to connect with your wife was to be as close as possible, and there, it's like what they wanted you to sit in home, sit at home and like watch TV in the comfort of your own home, drinking a beer and just like, like not paying attention to that. And that yeah. would be being a man. And I remember like a lot of feedback, like God, by what you're doing is incredible. It's really amazing. You know? And, yeah. and like, there's a moment, you know, like I'm like, I forgot how it was like 50 trips or something. I went and I was like, I was like, yeah, not every guy would do this. Yeah, no way. Not every guy would like show up and sit outside his wife's hospital room for hours to support her and his unborn son, right? Yeah. Like, and um, it just it gave me a moment to just just pause and reflect, like you know, like who I was being in that process and and how I was showing up. Like, was I mean, ultimately, it was the only way I knew how. Like, I I had nothing else to give at that yeah. point. Yeah, you know, and I think like, that's that's what makes I think people uncomfortable is they don't know what to do. Right. Or like how to express like, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, like going back to the hand, hey, let me put on some lip balm. If we're going to be talking about. <laughs> Check it out, fellas. I'm, I'm uh, hydrating my lips so I can talk better. Um, <laughs> like 
there's so much anger and confusion and powerlessness that needs like needs a, a place to be voiced right and like he provides that for them you know but like i you know we go back to this fundamental question that you and i always ask each other is like what does it mean to be a man they clearly have a very specific definition yeah and we always push back hey is how you're defining what is being a man working for you like if those dudes are walking around with that much confusion, anger in their heart, um, to the need to attack a stranger on social media, like, yeah. bro, what's the rest of your life look like? Yeah. Or, and if yeah. you think about guys like like look like Andrew Tate, it might be serving him, right? He's made a he has made a ton of money. Yeah. Right. Dude, no, don't. we don't know him, right? He could this could all be nonsense. It could all be like a giant act to make a whole bunch of money. Now. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. But one might say who he's being serves what he wants. Now, now I don't know at the end of his life, you know, on his deathbed, is he going to feel good about, you know, but there's been, a, there's been a ton of people throughout history that have done things that you or I might say are not serving that I don't think they regretted them on their deathbed, right? There's people that lived with anger and hate and violence and murdered people and genocide that on their deathbed where they were not regretting what they did. So I think that is ultimately like, hey, for me, it doesn't serve. And I think a lot of men that we, that, that are listening to us, that are talking to us, that are coming into our alchemy men community, that are doing other work in all sorts of other communities like ours, that are listening to other podcasts talking about topics like this, realize that hate, that anger, that rage, it's not, it, it's not helping. It's not getting us anywhere. It actually just digs us further into a hole. You know, that was, that was actually one of the things I thought, one of the comments that I got was like something about some beta, like I was some beta, some beta guy or something. And I was like, man, I, I don't know the guy who said it, right? I don't know, but I'm like, man, I wonder what that guy's life is like. Right. Cause I know I'm leading a whole bunch of things and I have a fucking great life. I have an awesome life. I have a life that people would kill for. I have a woman who supports me and basically tells me I can do whatever I want. I have a woman who, um, anything I bring to the table, she tries to help me figure out how I can accomplish it, accomplish it. I have her back in anything that she needs. I have, we have family and friends that provide and help us, whether it's support or love or resources. We have communities of people that would like literally lie down and help us create things. So I'm like, man. Yeah, dude, you don't need to convince them. No, I know. Well, no, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, if this is what beta is, then sure. Okay. They, Bring it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I think everybody actually would want it, but right. And I don't need to convince them, but I'm like, man, if that's right. It had me go, what is that person's life? Like that I wasn't even talking about them. Which is the even wilder thing, right? I think mean, that's like, it's like to show, to show up for, they don't, they probably don't know him either. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's where they can, like, they, they can't understand you. They can't understand yeah. a man who's like, who has the power and success and ability to create anything in his life and have all the accolades or like have all that surround him and be connected to his heart, be connected mm -hmm. to the divine spirit, be connected to like what's possible right? Be connected to his vulnerability and like, um, and love. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's like Hulk smash or nothing. Yeah. Like tough guy or, or weak. Yeah. Or really weak. Yeah. yeah. And like that, man, that 
that paradigm's like it's it's shifting you know and i think i always say like when we're when we're in times of great transition which i really feel like we are in the men's space that like the dark is gonna get louder because it's it's threatened you know it's threatened and you know like we're just two guys doing you know work with other guys but you know i feel like when when we come across guys like this it really just points to the opportunity that <laughs> there's still more work to do man you know and this isn't about like you know masculinity having to look a certain way like we need tough men like running through doors with guns and killing people right like we need like we need that like in certain situations right but we also need men who are gonna hold their sons at night and tell them how much they love them and that they're safe right and that what they want in life is possible and that they can cry and that it's okay to cry like we need that mm -hmm. right like it's it's gone the marble man way for a long time and it's just it's not working it's not working look at the divorce rate look at the suicide rate for men right look at uh, look at uh like the the death rate men are dying way earlier than than women like can look at all these statistics that prove that like hey it's it's not working yeah. you know it's not working and we have opportunity here i was watching um there's a documentary on hbo called shack and it's it's pretty short it's like a four-part series on hbo about shack's career and man his mom the lady is brilliant she is she talks about his being and she talks about letting him release all the feelings that come up. Like she like things that, you know, she's in the documentary and shares. And there's a point at the end where they, they ask Shaq about, I don't remember exactly how they asked, but like regrets or anything that like he wishes had gone different. And there's only two things that he shares. And, and you know, when I look at Shaq, I'm like, man, this guy is a, he's, he's complete play and fun. And he's also a monster, right? He can destroy anything he wants. And and ask him if there's anything, you know, he didn't say like win more championships, dunk on more guys. Like, you know, he said that his sister, he, he didn't take action with his sister who passed away of terminal cancer while he had the chance. Like he didn't take her on a trip or spend more time with her. And the other one was that he didn't call Kobe before it was too late, before he didn't get the chance anymore. And, um, and how his mom's advice like let him feel the feelings of that and that his feelings of rage were okay his feel his tears were okay and it was really cool to see him talk about it you know him talk about like all of it right the the frustration of failure the excitement of winning the um the sadness of loss and the grief right all these different aspects and somebody that could have just show up as like a beast basically and not have access to those other places. Um, yeah. I love that. I think it frees guys, you know, other men when they see a man like that, because I don't know about, I don't know about anybody, but it, it would be pretty tough to not have sh hold shelf sh shelf hold shack as an alpha, right? Like as the, as one of the ultimate alphas. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Let's uh let's let's talk a little bit about your book. Like, how does this play? T tell us about your book, but like, how does this play into your book? This conversation. I think um, looking at the uh, the big piece around confusion, right? Like, I had no idea 
who I was, like, not only as a man, but like, as like a human being, right? I was kind of just bouncing around life and, um, you know, certainly doing the best I can, you know, I had success, I was, you know, I was doing, um, you know, what I knew to do at the time. But what I what I really noticed was in, in my first marriage, you know, I was married before um, I met my amazing wife I have today. Um, she's, I, I joke that she's the best, the, my, the, my most favorite wife I've ever had, <laughs> but, um, with my first wife, like, man, she would sit me down every couple of weeks and have like the heart to heart conversation and, and have make some very specific requests of me. And I could not receive it, mm-hmm. you know, I would be on the defense or I would, um, you know, try to explain it away or make her wrong for it and gaslight her. Like I was a master at that. And you know, ultimately it broke down um, who I, it broke down our relationship because I had no idea what I was actually creating in it. You know, I had no idea what um, I actually wanted, the experience that I wanted. And, you know, to my, you know, not to let myself off the hook, but like I had no, no one taught me. I had no mentoring. I had no idea what it meant to be a husband. I had no idea what it meant to be a man in a relationship. And one of the things I've discovered is like one of my primary roles as a father, as a husband is to provide safety. Not, you know, I'm not like, um, you know, fighting off um, fungus monsters outside my front door. Um, but like Last of Us is a big show right now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, my wife wants to come home to a calm, grounded home, right? My son does the same thing. Like they, they yeah. want my presence to be one of, of safety of nurturing of contain and like that that wasn't it so like through and not only my last my first marriage but like every relationship i had prior to that and prior to meeting my wife um all had the same theme right they all ended in like these women going from like adoring me to just like couldn't get away from me fast enough Mm. and it sounds contrite or like simple but one of the biggest ahas i had was like the common denominator in all his relationships was me and it was the first time where i stopped being the victim you know when i was going through my the early stages of my self-development journey and started to look at hey what can i actually be responsible for here with how these relationships ended you know like what what can i learn from this as opportunity to actually create the experience i'm i'm wanting i'm yearning for because at the end of the day it, it you know i wanted to experience myself differently. And I want to experience my partners differently in relationship. And I just couldn't, I don't know how. Yeah. I, I, well, I also, I hear in this, if you're out in the world and it's someone else's fault, you know, yeah. if your job's fault or if it's your woman's fault or if it's the government's fault or if it's whoever's fault that your relationships or your business or your life, like you're a victim, right? I think that people don't stop and pause and go, man, if I'm running around blaming other people, I'm actually saying I'm a victim. And I don't know a lot of people who want to run around saying I'm a victim, right? Right? They don't realize that by pointing over there, what they're actually doing is like victim over here. Right. And I love that you were able to have those experiences and then kind of use the, transform them to take yourself out of victim and put yourself. Right. Like, like, you know, shitty things happen to people. So it's like victim in that context, but like, it's really like I wasn't being responsible. And if I'm not being responsible, I'm pointing the finger out everywhere else. Yeah. And like, 
the book's called why my relationships suck and it's it's um <laughs> the cliff notes is because i sucked mm. like my relationships did not work <laughs> out because like i was kind of a you know a garbage human being at the time because i didn't know how i, I didn't have a way i didn't have um like powerful mentors or powerful ways to to learn about relationship you know my father died when i was seven destroyed the family my mom did the best she could raising two boys and you know there's a number of men in and out like through that experience until she met my wonderful stepdad and like even then like we still there still wasn't like hey bob this is how you show up in relationship like it wasn't there was no teaching there's no mentoring it was just like oh relationships are supposed to happen which i think is a lot where a lot of us get uh get into trouble is that you know we've got goals and our health we got goals in our fitness and our you know finance and our careers our jobs right but when it comes to relationship like we are just supposed to expect them to happen you know like like they're just supposed to be there we're supposed to know how to show powerfully and have hard conversations and create a vision that makes us both excited right like there's you know the one of the things like this book and like the work i do with my wife with couples is like we help create a structure to create like a vision and a relationship that's workable that works yeah i wrote down like direction desire and choices like you have to know where you want to go which is associated with your desire if you're actually not willing to get to what you desire which i think a lot of men aren't right we don't have like a strong we have strong like what we want for like accomplishments or things but not necessarily experiential right oh man i want love i want joy i want connection Right. We, we've we've actually had that all pulled out of we've had that like deconstructed out of us so we just become machines of action results 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 and then we wonder why guys are unhappy unsatisfied committing suicide depressed right all these things versus wait what do you actually want oh i want i want you know a legacy i want love i want to build something that makes a difference for people whatever and then you get to do all your action Right. And, and, but it's like that direction and that desire and then making choices on that path, which for you in this book is all about relationships. So knowing yeah. what you want out of relationships and then getting to make choices that serve that thing, you know? Yeah. And, that, yeah. That, and like, and knowing what your partner wants, right. That likes, that's the other yeah. big too. It's like, we got two people here. You know, I was working with a, a couple last night. Dude has like an insane business. He like, has supports 46 families in his business nice. like a million dollar adventure he's got four kids at home you know with a wife who is just exhausted right he's working 16 hour days he's exhausted mm -hmm. so you know like the opportunity is is like what's the success at home look like you know what's your successful relationship look like like kick ass you built this thing it's incredible like good for you and it's coming at a cost you know, it's coming at a cost, like, you know, going back to that, that shack, that shack team, man, like, I wish I would have taken the time to yeah. work on these most important relationships, right? It's the same thing, man. That's where so much regret comes in is that we, we, while we're focusing on our external success, our inward success, like within and at home often comes, um, at a cost of that, right? Like that, that that gets sacrificed in order to, to attain this external success. And like, I'm a big stand for having it, it all work, 
and having success everywhere. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think like, hey, if your home life is great, but you can't afford to pay your mortgage, well, your home life ain't going to be great for too long. And if if your bank accounts are overflowing, but your wife or your kids or your partner don't know who you are, or you're fighting all the time, what's the point of all that money? Right. Like you made all that money. I'm guess I always assume people make money because they like think they want to be happy or live a great life. Right. And if your partner fucking hates you, what's the point of all the money? Right. Like we all know people who like have a lot and they're miserable and they're fighting. And I think I, I'm like right there with you. It's like you got to have both. How do you have a relationship that thrives, uh, uh, a relationship to your friends and, fa- and family members outside of your partner that thrives? How do you have a relationship to yourself that thrives, a relationship to your business that thrives? Yeah. Um, you and I both have clients who are killing it in various areas of their life, but the area that they're not killing it is sinking the whole ship, right? And, it, and they don't think they, when they, and they really, they're working with us likely because they're like, man, I've done all this. Why am I not loving my life? Why am I not thriving to the way I want to? Yeah. Or how do I get this other area to thrive to the degree that certain areas of my life are thriving? Um, what are, who, who should be reading? Who, who are the people that should be going on Amazon typing in why your relationship sucked by Bob Conlon and buying this book? It's why my relationship sucked. So oh. we're taking, we're taking ownership there right in the title. Yeah. You nice. say it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, I feel like anyone who's, who's at a crossroads essentially in a relationship, like, man, I've tried this, I've tried that. And like, I'm still in the same spot. And, there's enough in here for wherever you're at in your relationship journey. You know, either you're in a relationship and you want it to improve, you want to find a relationship and get in one, or you're in a relationship that you want to get out of, right? Wherever you're at in that that journey, like this book's got some stuff, you know, it's got a lot of gold in there for you. And, you know, like in my own experience, I got to a point where I just didn't know where to turn. Like I knew it wasn't working and I didn't know what was next. Right. And I feel like this book can help fill that, that gap, right. To, to give you some, some normalization that like, these are very common relationship challenges and struggles we go through and give you some like concrete tools and steps and actions to take to help starting to improve, you know, but it all starts with willingness. It starts with willingness to start to look at yourself, um, as the, the generator of all of your relationships in your life. And it's not just romantic relationship. Like it's a big, heavy focus in this book, but um, any relationship can get impacted by what this book has to offer. And we're in relationship to everything and everyone. So does it matter? Is this book written for men or women or anyone? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's available to both for sure. Yeah. Nice. Are you gonna write another book? I am. I am. Yeah, I think, uh, so this book has been like in my space for probably, I think four years. Yeah. You know, we had a traumatic pregnancy and a pandemic in there. So I give myself a little grace, but man, when I look back and just like, if I were to tally up all the writing time that I spent on this book over the last four years, like I probably could have banged this out three to six months. Yeah. You know, so much of writing this book was like exploring this relationship to myself. Like who the hell am I to write this book? What are people going to say? Is it going to be good enough? Oh man, what if I publish it and there's a typo, which there is like all this, you know, all this stuff like, like came up and it like, 
you know, such the breakthrough it was like moving through all that stuff, you know, and, and that that's the key to a lot of our relationship uh, outcomes is like being able to move through it while it's happening and just like learning and exploring, giving yourself some grace, um, you know, not stopping, you know, not stopping. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it pushes me around a little bit and see what happens. But I was like, yeah, I think I'm I think I got another book in me. Yeah, I, de- I mean, I definitely have another book in me. It's just, you know, sitting down and actually starting starting to write it nice Mm, excuse me i love that i uh i feel like there's a a lot of books in me and it's like where do you put so as we come full circle back to the rabbits right it's like which book which rabbit am i chasing right right? when i have a lot of books in me it's like none of them get written or or parts of them get written versus really being committed and i think this is actually just like a very masculine it's like a, a chaotic masculine trait is like a lot of actions you want to take, a lot of things you want to do, and understanding how to kind of like synthesize, harmonize, focus that energy to really look at like what's the result you really want to have, right? It's not just writing a lot of books, writing a lot of words. It's like what's the thing that you want to come out of that? Um, and I, even today I had somebody ask me, you know, what do you, when you're feeling stuck or like you don't know where to go next, what do you do? And I thought that was a really interesting question. And I thought my response, which I didn't necessarily expect to give until I gave it to them was, what if it's okay to be stuck? What if it's okay to not where, to know where to go next? You know, we're, we, we, life isn't a, a movie that it's like get to Emerald City and that's where you get your answer. It's like, right, like life is, or it's like, hey, there's the bad guy. We got to catch him. And then the story's over, right? Life is this journey that we have no idea what the ending is. And we have no idea what five steps ahead are. So you don't actually know that you're stuck. From the perspective of now, you might think you're stuck. But where you actually are is part of a much longer journey that maybe being exactly where you are in this unknown or stuck, what feels like stuck, is the next step in the process to getting wherever you're going. Um, And I think that requires like a lot of bravery and courage to be like, I'm okay not knowing what the next step in the plan is. Um, And I even think if we we look at this in a a, uh, real life setting, you know, a lot of NFL teams script the, the plays to start a game, right? They say if this play scripted out to start, and then what happens? There's no more script because they actually have to be in the unknown of what the other team is doing and how the players have shown up. And they might have a bunch of plays, but they don't know which ones they're going to call when they're going to call them. They have to be in the moment and go, how does this, how does this next play serve what our ultimate goal is? And which one do we think will be most successful? Because they don't actually know either, right? The play that they think is going to be great suddenly becomes a turnover and they have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Yeah. How might my competitor now show up? Yeah. Yeah. Or just the unpredictableness of being human, right? I can do something a hundred times and nail it a hundred times. And the hundred and first time I somehow I dropped the ball. And that, and that's the thing. It's like, don't stop playing the game. You know, like that's the, I see a lot of people who just like quit or they'll like, they'll stop doing the thing they say they're committed to. And it's like, Man, 
stay on the path, stay on the adventure, see see what information will start to unfold. Like, get some resilience of stamina in that unknown. Yeah, right. Have it be okay to not know, and just keep moving forward. Yeah. Now you know that's not like gotta just hustle through it. I'm not talking about that. Like, yes, we rest, we reflect, we learn, we grow, but like the best way to kill possibility is to stop. Is to simply to stop. You know. Yeah. Well, if, even if you think, right, if we come back to this metaphor, the sports metaphor, teams call timeout. Yeah, perfect. They pause, yeah. Yeah. right? In the pause, they get something. They're looking for clarity. They're looking for answers. They're looking to bring themselves back home and together as a unit. Nothing happens during the timeout. They don't get extra points or extra buckets or extra touchdowns. Everything, literally, they just take a moment to like recenter themselves. I love when, uh, especially football, right? Football is such a masculine sport. But when you look at football, what has a team win isn't who hits the other guy the hardest. It's who dances better in the moment, right? What the players that can avoid tackles or do miraculous things on the fly or the teams that adapt in the moment to what the other team is showing up as or the team that is more creative or more resilient. You know, it, while it is a game where, where dudes are smashing themselves together, there is a, the feminine that works its way into that, the dance, the creativity, the flow, the spontaneity in a moment is what actually has us see who the winner is. Yep. There's a lot of badass teams that don't ever, and badass players that never get themselves all the way to the end. Yep. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up with um, a little retreat chat what do we want to what do you want to share about the alchemy of men 2023 june summer retreat in utah man i'm so stoked (laughs) yeah i'm i'm really excited for the guys that have already signed up for this um you know i think like in our you know our own evolution as as men as leaders in this process and and creating opportunities like this it's it's just been such an example of like what's possible in relationship with other men you know like one of the the coolest things is just to watch men come together and create brotherhood create friendship like create accountability like allowing um each other to to lift themselves up and lift us all up and and really work on like what is next and like what's next is so unique to every person right could be like um you know next level of success in business next level of health it could be um scaling things back spending more time at home like with the family um nurturing their children like it's just so cool like that it's just really it's a cauldron a crucible for um so much possibility for these guys and like you know, I think, I think men traditionally are, we're real good at being self-sufficient and, and getting things done. And I think that one of the coolest opportunities this, this retreat provides is like the opportunity to not do any of it alone. Mm. Yeah. And like, dude, the, the lodge is like, I'm so stoked. 10,000 square feet, hot tub, sauna, cold plunge, five-star gourmet chef. Like I'm, I mean. I'm excited just for the food alone. 
I want to uh, share the piece about like why I see guys like saying yes to all this, you know, and, and these are directly from guys, you know, the, the words of community connection. I wish I had guys to reach out to for support. Um, I never had any good male role models of masculinity or because I've avoided men my whole life because of the shitty men that raised me. Mm. Guys have told us, I want to do this and I'm signing up because I don't know how to deal with my emotions and my relationships are imploding because of it. Guys have told us that if they don't shift the way that their relationships are with other men, they can't have the life that they want. They can't have the business they want. They can't be the leaders they want. We've got to hear guys tell us that they're simply uncomfortable around men. Um, I love this. Like guys that are just like, hey, I'm just looking for a group of men. I want to be more present. I want to be a better partner or husband. Um, and then I think the the real conversations, guys that are like, man, I'm just tired of you know, having that conversation over and over and over again about sports or women or money. And like, I know there's more. I see my, you know, I see my wife talking about more with their friends. I see other people talking about more and it's always the same. So, you know, for me, getting to support guys to have all those things is, is what gets me the most excited because we're, we're seeing actual results. Yeah. We got to talk with a guy's wife the other day who went on our last retreat and she's just like, he's just more present. He's home more. He spends more time with me and our child. And when he's with us, he's actually like not on his phone. He's not worried about work things. And so their whole house is happier and his business hasn't sacrificed at all. He's actually hired more people to help him. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, you know, yes, it's, it's the men who are signing up to go to this, but you know, it's the men that return home. Right. And that's, that's where the real impact and work is, is realized. Right. Like it's, who do you then get to impact being this alchemized man coming home, right? Like how does your marriage, your relationship flourish? How does the relationship with your children, if you have them flourish, you know, like how does your business work, your career work, right? Like health, like guys getting, like guys get responsible for their health, man. Like taking stuff out of that thing, like we're afraid to to take on and like healing, you know, we had, we had a guy throw his old wedding ring into the fire on the first night like he let go of that shit he let go of that relationship that no longer served him right so he can start his process of healing like who does that dude get to go home as then you know like free from that that hurt you know and yeah man, it's a ripple it's a ripple you know and it's a courageous thing to jump into and you know like we got you like we'll, we will take exquisite <laughs> care and like and it's gonna be a ton of fucking fun you know, like it's going to be impactful and fun. And, you know, my biggest commitment is that, you know, who you get to be walking like home from this is who you've always known yourself to be. I just had to move some stuff out of the way. Yeah. Love that. So let's wrap this up. If you want to grab Bob's book, go on Amazon. Why my relationships suck by Bob Conlon. If you want to know more about this retreat, you can go to alchemy of men retreat. Dot com. You can also reach out to either one of us, Alex at thedreammason.com. Bob, what's your best email? Uh, Bob at conlincoaching.com. You can find us on socials. If uh, 
you want to talk to us about any of this, or if you want to, we recently started a free virtual men's group. It filled up immediately. But if you're interested in joining a men's group that we're leading, you can also reach out to us and we can throw you on the waiting list. Uh, we will be opening up something in the future, but we, we don't, but we'd love to have you, you know, throw your hat in if you want to be involved. And then we'll, when it opens up, we will reach out to you. Um, and we have some other things opening up in the beginning of probably in the first or second quarter of this year. So yeah, we're excited about what, what is blooming and what's being created. Bob, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on here. Yeah, man. Always. Thanks for having me. And, uh, thanks for listeners, listeners. Thanks for listening. Listeners. Thanks for yeah. listening. Oh yeah. There's people listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you, this episode can make a difference for someone in your life, please share it with them. Um, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. If, uh, we talk about anything that, uh, made a difference for you or triggered you, please tell us, tell us why, tell us why you love or hate Andrew Tate. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.